Stay with us following this week's Crosswalk for information on Pastor Clay's new book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. Like that would be such a bad thing to go back to the 1950s when, uh, let's see, the, the divorce rate was minuscule compared to what it is today. A time when a lot of people didn't even lock their doors and you never had to search for your car keys because you left them in the car where they were perfectly safe. We live in a politically correct culture. I don't know of anyone who would argue about that. It seems that we all have to be careful about what we say in order not to offend anyone. And one of the most politically incorrect statements we could possibly make these days is to say something like, a wife should submit to her husband. Submission is a word that is not really acceptable in our culture, especially when we're talking about the relationship between a husband and a wife. But what if it's true? Not because he's worth it, but because God is worth it. Because God has asked me to do this, and he's the reason. He's my motive. He's my motivation. He is my model. And so I will voluntarily choose to place myself under his leadership within the home. I'm Rick Freeman. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. In our series, Building on the Basics, today we come to 1 Peter chapter 3 and the call for wives to submit to their husbands. As I said a moment ago, in the culture in which we currently live, the idea of a wife's submission to her husband is about as popular as a barbecue food truck at a vegan convention. But the truth is, God never cared much about popularity or political correctness for that matter. What God cares about is men and women experiencing the most out of life as possible possible. And that requires following God's direction and not the world's. Our motivation is that it finds favor with God, that this in the whole context of submitting, we submit because it finds favor with God. So no matter what your thoughts are on a wife submitting to her husband, before you tear this page out of your Bible, stay with us. See how far we get with this today. And we hope you'll open God's Word with us to 1 Peter chapter 3 as Pastor Clay walks us through God's plan for a wife. Thanks for joining us today. I want to lead you to the cross. Just for clarification, I do not want to take us back to the 1950s. Actually, I want to take us way farther back than the 1950s. I actually want to take us back about 2,000 years to the time the, the Apostle Peter wrote this letter to the church that it was scattered to help bring the church to a biblical understanding of submission. And as we're going to see in chapter 3 and verse 1, specifically in that context, the submission of a wife to her husband. Husbands, let's all of us do it together. Because I know what the husbands, the wives, okay, whatever your reaction is, but the husbands are sitting there thinking, oh, jeez, I'm going to have to listen to that. I'm gonna have, he's, he, she's going to go off on me when we get home. I'm going to have to hear about this. <laughs> Within the context uh, of what Peter's writing about, and this idea, this general idea, we talked about it last week, we'll pick it up this week, this idea of submission, and specifically, as I said, the submission of a wife to her husband. And I'll I just tell you, even, even just saying that phrase makes me feel like I ought to uh, have body armor on or something. Because I understand that this, that this biblical concept, and that this is the key here, 
not, not people's under, interpretation, not people's misunderstanding, but the biblical understanding of a wife's submission to her husband is something that is not well received in the culture in which we live. It is mocked and ridiculed by feminists and secularists. Some people say that it's, that it's outdated, that it's old-fashioned. And yet God says that it actually is relevant and applicable for your lives and for the home. And each person, of course, obviously has to come to the place where they decide whether they're going to believe God or believe their culture. When it comes to virtually any idea or concept in the world in which we live. So we're going to see how far we get with this this morning. But I just want to say in advance that that I understand that this can be difficult to receive. Depending on where you are spiritually, where your understanding is of of God and who He is and your understanding of Scripture and and the value you place on Scripture, which we place a very high value on Scripture here, you have to come to this place where you say, man, you know what? And and listen, probably probably every woman in here is already doing a fantastic job on on this idea. It's just where we happen to be in the text and, and that's what we're dealing with. But but if, if you perhaps find yourself struggling at times with the idea of what it means to place yourself under, and that's the idea here, place yourself under your husband's leadership, if you find yourself struggling with that, you have to eventually come to this place where you just say, hey, either I'm going to believe what God says or I'm going to believe what I want or what the culture says. That's okay. God allows you the freedom to make those choices to, to do that. God never forces his, his will or way, as I understand it, on, on anybody. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, we're going to read 1 through 7, 1 Peter chapter 3. And as I said, we'll see how far we get with this. Y'all all right? Yeah. Sure is quiet in here. <laughs> By the way, if, uh, if your wife or husband couldn't be here today, uh, we do uh, podcast all of our messages. And so you can direct them in that way. They can watch the video online. I'm just saying. First Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Listen, here's what he says. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. As they observe, as the husband observes, your chaste, New American Standard says, your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, or putting on dresses. But let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves being submissive to their own husbands. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right, without being frightened by any fear. Then verse 7, You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone weaker, since she is a woman. And show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now, ladies, before you tear this page out of your Bible, 
Stay with us. See how far we get with this to, to, uh, today. And, and just remember that we're talking about a biblical concept. Not somebody's understanding or misunderstanding of the biblical concept. Okay, so uh, we're going to start with uh, this idea this morning. I have three ideas from 1 Peter 3, 7 to share with you. We'll see how far we get. But the first one starts like this. A wife's submission is not based on her husband's worth. A wife's submission is not based on her husband's worth. Peter uh, starts out, starts into this, this section. Uh, what we have is chapter 3 with this phrase, in the same way. He's referring back to something that he's already uh, talked about in the, in the context. We, are, we know it's submission. but he's, So he's referring back to something that he's already said in chapter 2. This, Peter does this uh, quite frequently. He did the same thing in chapter 1 in verse 13. He said, therefore, referring back to what he had said in the first part of chapter 1. He then does the same thing in chapter 2 and verse 1, where again he says, therefore... Referring back to what he had said in the latter part of chapter 1. And now, in chapter 3, he starts out with, in the same way. In the same way as what? He's referring back to what he had talked about previously in chapter 2. Which had to do with, in the same way that Jesus Christ submitted himself to the will of the Father... That's, we looked at that last week. We'll talk about it again in a minute. But he's referring to in the same way as that. And then he moves on. He begins to talk about wives and, and the idea of, of submitting. So we're finding this. And we talked about this last week if you were here. But our model, we find that our model, our model is who? Come on, our model is Jesus Christ. Men, women, our model for life, our model for doing life. And within the context of chapter 2 and chapter 3, where he's talking about this idea of submission, whether it's government uh, and employment, like we looked at last week, or whether it is the idea of a wife's submission to her husband, we have a model for this, and that model is Jesus Christ. He started last week by saying that we have a motive, and our motive is the will of God, right? Forget exactly how, how it says it in verse 13 there, somewhere like that. It says that, that it's, it's for the Lord's sake that, that we do this. So what's he saying, ladies? He's, he, start, he says, hey, hey, don't forget what I, what I, that model I just gave you. That model was your motive. That he's, he's not only your model, he's your motivation. It's for the Lord's sake. In other words, uh, we do what we do in the area of submission. We place ourselves under someone else's leadership, whether it's a king or a president or a governor or a police officer, those the government type things we talked last week, or whether it's your employer, your boss, your manager, or whatever it is, that, that it's not based on their worth. Aren't you glad? It's not based on whether they deserve it or not. Because oftentimes they don't, do they? No, your, motivation, your, your motive is for the Lord's sake. That's why I do what I do. And in the context of wives, that's, that's why you do it, ladies. And he also said last week that then our motivation, you remember that? Is that it finds favor with God. That this, in the whole context of submitting, we submit because it finds favor. Favor with God. That's the motivation that keeps you getting up and doing it again today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. And listen to me. That is critically, obviously that is critically important when it comes to the idea of a wife placing herself under the leadership of her husband in the home. Because if it were based on, 
on his worth, if it were based on his value, if it were based on his superiority, if it were based on anything like that, well, let's just say there wouldn't be a whole lot of submitting going on because a husband's not worth it. I was just waiting to see if there were any amens after that. But A husband is not worth it. Not, not, not to do, no, a husband's not worth it. It's not based on what he deserves. It's not based on any of those things, but it is based on the favor of God. Doing it for the Lord's will, the favor of God, that's why I do what I do. Not because my husband is, I mean, speaking from a lady's perspective, my husband is worth it. Because he's not worth it. Sorry, husbands. Or, sorry, husbands. Depending on how you want to take that. And so, then he goes on, and so then he says, so our model, there's our, mo- our model, is Jesus Christ. And I want to go back, I want, I want to set this up, I want to read uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, the end of that chapter there, 21 to 25, I want to read that to you again, um, and, and so you can kind of get the idea of, of where we're going with this. It says, these things, and this is, if you were here last week, you saw this, uh, if you weren't, this may be new to you, he says, these things are all part of the Christian life to which you have been called. This, this, this is the call, the Christian life. This idea, in this context, this idea of submission. These things are all part of the Christian life to which you have been called. Christ suffered for us. This shows us that we are to follow, you know, say it, in his steps. He never sinned. No lie or bad talk ever came from his lips. When people spoke against him, he never spoke back. Do you see how this ties in with submission? Placing yourselves under someone else. When he suffered from what people did to him, he did not try to pay them back. He left it in the hands of the one who is always right in judging. He carried our sins in his own body when he died on a cross. In doing this, we may be dead to sin and alive to all that is right and good. His wounds have healed you. You were like lost sheep. That's how you used to be. But now you've come back to him. Speaking to the body, now you've come back to him who is your shepherd and the one who cares for your soul. So there is our model. Jesus is our model. In the same way that he submitted himself, in the same way that he suffered, in the same way, unjustly even at times, the, the point is that he voluntarily, there's the key, ladies and gentlemen, we'll talk about that, voluntarily placed himself under the headship of the Father. For purposes that were for our benefit. You know, hey, never forget that. Never forget that Jesus did not have to do what he did. You understand that? I mean, I mean no, he had to if we were going to be redeemed. But please don't think in any way that, that God the Son was forced into doing what he, what he did. There's a scene in the Garden of Gethsemane. And maybe some of you have read it. There's a scene in the Garden of Gethsemane where uh, Jesus has been praying and the soldiers come to arrest him. It's just before his, his, uh, his trial and beating and crucifixion and all that stuff. And the, and the soldiers come to arrest him and Peter and the other disciples are asleep. Do you remember that scene? And, and they're roused by the noise and the sound and the torches and all that kind of stuff. And Peter, uh, the same Peter that wrote this book, suddenly he just jumps up and he draws the sword and he apparently just starts swinging away in the dark or the flittering light or whatever the case may be. And he... And if you're familiar with the story, he cuts off the ear of the, of the high priest's servant. And Jesus stops him. And Jesus tells him to put his sword away. And then Jesus says this, Matthew 26, he says this. Or do you think that I cannot call on my father? He says, Peter, put your sword away. Do you not think that I can call on my father? Watch this. That he would send me more than 12 legions of angels right now? 
Legions was a, was, is a military term. The, the number is a lot. Twelve legions of angels right now? How then would the scriptures that say it must happen this way be fulfilled? You understand what Jesus is saying? Peter, man, I got this. All I got to do is ask the Father. If, if we want to put a stop to this, I'll do this. I don't need your puny little sword. All I got to do is ask the Father, and he'll put 12 legions of angels at my disposal. But that's not, that won't fulfill the scriptures. The scriptures that talked about that, that mankind would have to be redeemed. So he becomes our model. He willingly, voluntarily placed himself in position for our good. Uh, a number of years ago, when I was uh, uh, pastoring a- another church, there was uh, a gentleman that I went to visit, a young man. Uh, he, was, he was not a, a believer. He's not a follower of Jesus. He was a nice guy, but he just d- doesn't get a hold into the, into the whole Jesus. Both his parents... Uh, were atheists, very strong atheists, and uh, he had been raised in that environment. But he had married a girl uh, who was a believer, became a believer after them. I'm not sure which the case was, but uh, she attended the church where I was pastoring, and uh, I went to visit this young man. Now, obviously, I assumed that uh, being raised in an atheist, uh, atheistic home and being resistant to the whole concept, the idea of of God and, and Scripture and all that kind of thing, I, I figured, well, I, I, better, I better bone up. I better be ready for this stuff. So I, I go in there with, with all my, uh, all my uh, intellectual and uh, defense, me- all, all my ducks in a row. You know what I'm saying? I go in there, and I'm ready to talk about uh, arguments for the existence of God and, and uh, evidences for the uh, uh, validity of the scriptures, the accuracy of scripture, and, and empirical evidences of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, I go in there, and I'm ready to give it to him, and I start uh, talking about all this stuff, and he just, he just stops me right in the middle. Of it. He, and he, I'm just talk, I'm talking, I'm talking, talking, and he just says, I don't care about any of that stuff. That's what he said. He says, I don't care about any of that stuff. And then he points at his wife, and he says, all I know is I have watched that woman put up with me, put up with my crap. Excuse me, that's what he said. Uh, he may have said something worse, I don't know. But put up with my stuff. I've watched her patience. I've watched her grace. I've watched how she's handled stressful situation and pressure and all of those kind of things. I've watched how she's treated me when I've treated her unbelievably terribly. And it, it, was, it was terrible. It was awful. He, he was, it was bad. And he just said, I, I want what she has. That's what Peter is talking about here. That, that, that in this display of a Christ-like attitude, even in a situation that is hard and that is difficult, and that it is unfair. She had no right to treat. He had no right to treat her the way he did at times. Even in a situation that is unfair, but because she understood the truth of God's word and because she placed herself in that position that, that God asked her to, that God asked her to, he's our motive, he's our motivation, he's our model, because of that, God used that to speak into this woman's life and to draw her, or this man's life, and to draw him into a relationship with God because of what he saw, observed in his wife. That, that's, that's what it is. Apostle Paul says something very similar to what Peter says in Ephesians chapter 5. Maybe some of you have read this. He says, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now, what, we're going to clarify some of this in a minute, but... Submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He's, he's your, your model again. 
He's the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Clarify it just a second. I was with a man one time uh, right after his wife uh, passed away uh, from an extended uh, battle with cancer. And he's, he's standing there, and he said, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. And he, he looked at, down at his wife. He said, I'll tell you this. He said, I would be on the road to hell today if it wasn't for that woman. That, that's what Peter's talking about, the, the power that a godly woman has to influence the world around her, beginning in her home, and the power that she has to influence her home. It's the idea of placing yourself. Now, let me say this. There is an exception. As you would expect, if you were here last week, you heard the exception when it comes to government, when it comes to employment. There is an exception to submitting. And, that's, and that exception always is if, in this case, in the context of wife and husband, if a husband asks, expects, demands that a wife do something that is contrary to the will or word of God. He asks her to do something illegal. He asks her to do something immoral. In that case, a wife can and should follow what I call the Acts 5.29 rule. We must obey God rather than men. So in that case, when that, when that occurs, if, if a wife were in a position where a husband asked her you know, to go knock off First Citizen Bank or do some uh, warp. I'm just saying, whatever it is, that that if it is contrary to the word and will of God, there is no expectation on God's part that a wife would place herself under her husband's leadership at that particular point. But other than that, a wife voluntarily places herself. I'm going to come to that why, this, why voluntarily is so crucial. Men have to understand that. She voluntarily chooses to say, you know what? My, my husband, honoring and respecting and cherishing and, and, and following him, that is the most important thing. Not because he's worth it. Ladies, can I get an amen? Not because he's worth it, but because God is worth it. Because God has asked me to do this. And he's the reason. He's my motive. He's my motivation. He is my model. And so I will voluntarily choose to place myself under his leadership within the home. Okay? Doing all right? It is not easy. What, what wives are asked to do is not easy. It's not. Because you have a culture that quite honestly will tell you you're crazy he, he's going to take advantage of you. He's going to think you're better than he is. He's going to think this, that, that, or the other. You're crazy if you do this. You're, you're not going to be all you could be if, if you do this. You have a culture telling you that. You have your own flesh that fights against the idea of submission, right? Don't, doesn't all of our flesh, don't, I don't, I don't want to, right? Do you want to submit? No. And then, on top of that, you oftentimes, ladies, if you're here and you're, Married, you have a husband that, how shall I put this, is an idiot at times, right? We're, 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 we're guys at times, and, and we don't get it right, and we don't treat our wives right, and we, and we, and we do take advantage of the situation, we do uh, things like that. So what, what a wife is asked to do is not easy, but God has purposes and plans in it. That's what you have to come back to. Does God have a purpose? Does God have a plan? And what does God expect of me as a woman? As a, as a married wife, what does God expect of me? Peter's pretty clear. She placed herself 
under the leadership of her husband. All right, now, I, I, don't, I don't know how that went over, but let's see if I can make it worse. What's the second idea? A wife's beauty is not based on her external appearance. Uh, let, me, uh, let me read this. What am I reading? Three through six? Yeah. Um, your adornment. Y'all know what adornment is? Ladies? Guys? <laughs> your adornment must not be merely external. Braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, or putting on dresses. But let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also hoped in God, used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. That's how they, in other words, adorn themselves. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you've become her children, if you do what is right, without being frightened by fear. In other words, by saying, yeah, I, I, can, I can submit to God. I know God's got this. Now let me just first just say, as if talking about the idea of a wife placing herself under her husband's leadership is not uh, bad enough. Now, I'm venturing into areas where angels fear to tread. The big three, right? A woman's hair, a woman's jewelry, a woman's clothing. <laughs> right? Listen, listen. I could walk across the Grand Canyon on a tightrope, blindfolded with two lit sticks of dynamite in my hands and not be in any more dangerous situation than I am right now. Never let it be said that your pastor is not willing to lay down his life for the sheep. Be that as it may, that's where Peter goes. Now, for the record, Peter is not saying that a woman should not wear jewelry or, or cannot use makeup or uh, should not uh, adorn herself in a dress. Or, he's not prohibiting those things, okay? He's not. I mean, you, you gathered that from the, from the text. He's not prohibiting those things. What he is saying is that those things, our external appearance, should not be the thing that people know us for. They should not be what... What a, a, attracts someone to us? You, know, you understand what I'm saying? I'm attracts to, I'm talking about in a, in a, in other words, it's a person that, that I like. It's a person I want to be around. It's a person that I, you understand what I'm saying? That those aren't the things that ought to, in the end, that really ought not to, they really ought not to matter. That's not what it's about. It's about something deeper than that. It's not the external. In fact, he says it is the internal that really matters. And then he gives this example, he says, now, you see the women necessarily today, and, and by the way, in Roman culture, as I understand it, that uh, it was fashionable for wealthy women to, um, in their hairdo, updo, whatever do, uh, it was fashionable to weave uh, expensive pieces of jewelry, gold, into their uh, hairdo. And so it really, it was a, it was a social statement as much as it, was, as it was a fashion statement. It was a way of saying, hey, hey, look at me. I'm rich and I want you to know it. It really what it, what it came down to. And, and Peter's like, come on, come on, ladies. That's, that, there, that's, there's something about that that's just not, that's not who you are. That's not what it's about. And so then again, instead, he then points to what he calls the, 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 
the women of the past, women of old, the women of the Old Testament period. And he specifically uh, calls out Sarah. You see how he read that? He specifically calls out Sarah as an example. Now, what's interesting about the fact that Peter calls out Sarah is that Genesis, I think in chapter 12, somewhere around verse 14, specifically tells us that Sarah was a physically beautiful woman. And yet, Peter says, that's not what she's remembered for. Because, hey, hey, can those of us above the age of 25 go ahead and confess that all of that's going away anyway? All the, the looks and all that stuff, right? Can we just go ahead, men and women, everybody? Come on. Come on. Pretty much everything, yeah, <laughs> it, it, pretty much everything is, is sagging, dragging, drooping, or dropping, right? I mean, let's, let's, let's face it. That's, that's just the way it is. And so Peter says, There's not, there, that, that's not what Sarah's known for. What Sarah's known for is that she was this, this woman of beautiful uh, inside countenance because she displayed godly character in her life. And part of that godly character was manifested in her willingness to place herself under the leadership, the headship of her husband, Abraham, to give him the responsibility that God had given for him to have. So it's, it's, not, it's not in the way we look or the way we adorn ourselves. Not, again, not that those things, it's not bad. Ladies, makeup, jewelry, clothing, okay, fine. It's a, wear clothing, that's good. <laughs> I mean, a new dress and you want to be fashionable, you want to, I understand that. But all Peter's saying is make sure that's not the focus of your life and make sure that's not what other people focus on when they see your life. There's something more than that. Cindy and I, years ago, we knew this couple. We'd known the young man for a long time. And he'd met this young lady who lived in another state. And uh, uh, he'd asked her to, to marry her, marry him. And uh, see, how do, I, how do I put this? Folks, w- when I say that she liked to wear makeup, I, I can't even begin to tell you. She, she, I'm dating myself here. She made Tammy Faye Baker look plain, if you, if you remember her. Listen, we were with him at the fair one time, and uh, it was real crowded, walking down the midway, and it was real crowded, and it was, you know, so you couldn't really walk side by side, so they were walking ahead of us, and we were, Cindy and I were walking behind them, and folks, I, I can't even begin to tell you the looks that this young lady, and I know, I understand this is an extreme, okay, but the looks that this young lady got was unbelievable, that it's just like, they looked at her like she was, quite honestly, like she was some kind of freak or something, and listen, there's a lot of strange stuff at the fair, if you can get somebody to look at you like you're strange at the fair, that's saying something. And, I, and I, all, all I'm saying, and you know, I have no idea because I never saw her without makeup, but she, really, I just, Peter's just saying it's more than that, ladies. It's, it's more than that. And guys, you didn't recognize that it's more than that about your wives. Something deep in that. Uh, every year, right, at whatever awards, the Oscars or the Emmys or the whatever, when the, when, when the stars... The actors, actresses, the singers, whoever they are, when they walk the red carpet, when the uh, reporter comes up to them, what's inevitably almost one of, the, one of the first questions that they ask a lady. What are you wearing? Who are you wearing? In other words, whose designer dress have you chosen uh, to wear to this? And then, of course, the next day, uh, entertainment, all the Entertainment Tonight type television shows have to talk about all the, all the uh, uh, fashion uh, good ones and the fashion misses and all this kind of stuff. And I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it's just, it's just something about that just seems incredibly shallow. 
that, that these ladies are really just turned into to living mannequins. And it's just something, there's just something more. And I think as Peter says, the ladies, it's more, you're, you're much more than your external appearance. That's not what this is about. Whatever your age, whatever your status in life, whatever your, there's something much more, something much deeper than this that you need to recognize. Absolutely nothing wrong with jewelry or makeup or fashion or all that kind of stuff. All he's saying is don't make that the emphasis of your life. Don't make that the priority of life. Don't make it all about the way you look because there's something about that that's, that's just shallow. And, and God's intention is that, it, that people would look much deeper. They would, they would know you, the person, and, and who you are and not that. Okay, one more real quickly. Uh, this morning. A wife's position, we're coming back uh, to this idea of submission. A wife's position is not based on her role in the marriage. Okay, we, her role, at least part of the, uh, according to what Peter's saying in other places, her role is to place herself under her husband's leadership, but a wife's position is not based on her role in the marriage. Verse 7, you husbands in the same way Live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. The word uh, in the original Greek, uh, if you're interested in knowing, uh, for understanding there is gnosin, which notates an intellectual understanding. So the conversation finally comes around to husbands. The wives have been waiting on this. The conversation comes back, finally comes around to husbands. But the emphasis, the topic of, the sub, of, the, of the, what he's talking about are still the wives. It's still about you ladies. He says, husbands, live with your wife in an understanding way in in a gnosis way in an in, in intellectual understanding way now it could be asked can men and women ever really fully understand each other after 37 years of marriage and 20 plus years in ministry i can confidently say to you that the mind of a woman is a deep and complicated thing. And ladies, that in, honestly, that in no way is intended to be an insult. The mind of a woman is a deep and complicated thing compared to the mind of a man, which is a very shallow, uncomplicated thing. Ladies? Right? Men. Sex, food, sports. Uh, maybe video games might be thrown in there for somebody. But that pretty much covers the, the, the mental capacity of most men. Sex, food, sports. Not necessarily in that order. I don't know what order. It depends on, I don't know. Right? So, so in some sense, uh, could, is it possible for men and women to ever fully understand each other? Maybe not completely, but the call specifically to men. By the way, specifically to men. You know why I think he specifically calls out men? And, and he doesn't say, wives, live with your husbands in an understanding way. You know why I think he says, uh, men, live with your wives in an understanding way? Because 
women, ladies, because you uh, are more relational, and you are. Praise God that you, that you are. Because you are more relational, I think you do try to understand us. It's a, it's a puzzler to you, I'm sure. But I think ladies do try to understand their husband. What, what makes him tick? Why does he like this? What, what, how, how, how could he help him with this? Or, I think ladies do try to understand their husbands. It's us husbands, quite honestly, that are sorry at the job of trying to understand our wives. And, we, and he's saying, listen, you've got to understand her. You got to stand her, her hopes and her dreams and her fears. You got to understand what she likes and what she doesn't like. You got to understand why you just need to hold her when she cries and you don't need to fix it. You don't need to say anything. You just need to, you need to understand her. Can I get an amen, my lovely wife? <laughs> we just need to, as she said, we just need to understand them. Guys, let me tell you what that requires on our part effort, energy attention. And here's the big one. Patience. Patience. We got to be patient. I, I, so much I have to learn still about marriage and, and about my wife. But after 37 year, years, I, I've learned that, that I, I can't, it's not just, you know, oh, well, just, just do this. <laughs> it takes patience. We have to, but that's the call, to live with our wives in an under- standing way. That's what we're called to do. Now, um, he gives us this model. I mentioned earlier that the model is Jesus. And I want you to look, uh, well, let me, before, before I go there, let, let, me, let me deal with this. There's this phrase, maybe you caught it, where Peter, he starts out uh, in uh, whatever verse, he says, live with your wives in an understanding way. Do y'all remember we read that part? Just a live with your wives in an understanding way. And then he says in the latter part of verse 7, as with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman. <laughs> did, y'all, did y'all catch that part when we read it? That's, everybody got that? Now listen, and I kind of uh, halfway joking with this. Uh, but uh, so that's, that's how, I want you to understand, that's how the world would tend to read that. Uh, um, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker vessel since she is a woman. That is not Peter's intention at all. At all. Do you understand? That is not what Peter is talking about. Peter is not trying to insult women. He's trying to inform men of a truth. And the truth is, by the way, he is not saying that women are weaker, uh, uh, mentally, he's not saying that women are weaker. Spiritually, he's not saying women are weaker. Morally, he's simply stating a physiological truth. Men, as a general rule, are stronger than women. Please, ladies, no one come up to me afterwards and say, come on, let's arm wrestle. I'm not. I can understand that there can be some exceptions, all right? But as a general rule, men are 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 physically stronger. Now, let me say this. Women are much tougher when it comes to like pain, right? Men are wimps. We're like babies, right? I always, if I ever get a splinter in my finger, I'm like afraid to go to my wife and tell her guys, because I know what she's, what she, she won't say it. She never say it. She's always godly, but I, I, I know what she's thinking. Oh, you got a little splinter? Try getting a seven or eight pound baby out. Talk to me about pain. 
He's simply stating that that, that it's a fact that that, that God has created in such a way that men are physically stronger than than women. Now watch this. Watch what he's saying. So he's saying, so listen, guys, don't you even begin to think that because you're bigger than her, that that somehow makes you better than her. That's what he's saying. Don't you even begin to think that because you're stronger than her, that you can force her into submitting to you, that you can make her your slave. That is the farthest thing from the scriptural idea uh, that there could be. He says, guys, you have no right to do that. As a matter of fact, Peter goes on and he says, if you do it, don't even bother praying to God because your, your prayers are bouncing off the ceilings. They're not even going to be, be heard. In other words, Peter's saying, listen to me, guys. There's going to be a problem. There's going to be a spiritual problem between you and God if you, if you try and use your physical uh, uh, position over your wife. If you try and somehow force her or, or treat her cruelly or whatever, there's, there's going to be a problem between you and God if you, if you do this. It's not, it's not your position. That's not what determines your, your value, your worth, or any of those kind of things. He says, you need to understand, guys, she's volunteering to do this. She's voluntarily placing herself up under your leadership. Oh, by the way, that means you better lead in a Christ-like manner. By the way, let me mention this, because this is what gets mentioned to me oftentimes when I, when, uh, I might be in a discussion with, with a lady about this idea. Yeah, but... You don't know how he treats me. Or you, don't, you haven't seen how he does this. Or you don't know what he's like at home. Listen, I don't mean this to sound unsympathetic or uncaring or, or cold or anything like that. But that really has nothing to do with it. Because, you're, again, you're not doing it for him. You're doing it for the Lord's sake. Let me also say this because some are probably thinking this. Um, uh, in the case where a, a man was physically abusing his wife... Uh, using his physical strength and, and abusing her, harming her. Uh, there's no expect, there'd be no expectation on God's part that a woman would stay in a, in a situation that would be dangerous for her or, or children. There'd be every expectation that she would get away from that situation. She should pray for her husband. She should be Christ-like to her husband in any way that she possibly can. But there'd be no expectation on God's part that she would have to stay or submit in a situation that is uh, physically harmful to her. But other than that, the call is to submit. Let me just say this and kind of wrap it up. Uh, I started to say this a second ago. Jesus is the model. Ladies, listen to me. Jesus is the model. If you start thinking, well, that's not fair. Why, how come women have to, but men don't have to? Men have to. We have our submission. But forget about it. Jesus is your model. You remember, this? let me show you a couple of verses. Uh, Jesus said this in uh, John uh, chapter uh, 4, I think it is. Yeah. Well, listen to what he says. My food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. See what he's doing? God the Son is placing himself under the authority of God the Father. Look at this one. Uh, John chapter 6. For I have come down from heaven, watch this, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So just like we said earlier, Jesus freely chose to do this, but there's an aspect of it where he is placing himself under the will of the Father. So Jesus willingly placed himself under the Father's authority. And yet, this same Jesus said this, John chapter 10, I and the Father are one. The same Jesus said this, uh, John chapter 14, I have, been, have I been so long with you and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? 
He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So, so here you've got a perfect example of God the Son placing himself under the authority of God the Father. And yet, one of the bedrock principles of Orthodox Christianity is that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Triune Godhead, are all what? Co-equal, one in authority. And three distinct persons, and yet equal in authority. So there's, there's our model. There's our model. Ladies and gentlemen, there's our model. There's expectations on men. But in the context of submitting, I think it's interesting that Peter mentions uh, what really, if you think about it, would be the three most difficult areas in, in, in the world to submit. The idea of submitting to, a, to government, which at times can be great if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, but at times not. Submitting to an employer... Or a wife submitting to her husband. I can't think of three areas where we talk about submission that would be more difficult. And yet that's our call to do. And when it's done right, I believe the writer of Proverbs nails it. Proverbs 31, when it says this. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. I can say amen to that for my wife. Hopefully, if you're married, you can say the same thing about your wife. It is not easy what wives are called to do. There is a balance. It doesn't mean a wife doesn't have an opinion. It doesn't mean she, she can't or shouldn't share that. It doesn't mean a husband should be so dictatorial that he just says, this is the way it's going to be. Yeah, until you're killed tonight in your sleep. It doesn't mean that he, he rules. That it means nothing like that. It, it, what it means is you build this incredible covenant partnership where each uh, part of that marriage come alongside each other and complement each other perfectly and work together to achieve the goals that God has for our lives. Not easy, ladies. I've said some stuff today, maybe trying to be a little funny or whatever, just trying to ease the load, so to speak. But we know what you're called to do is not easy. And we as husbands don't make it easier on you a lot of times. Forgive us. Be patient with us as we learn to understand you and learn to be the kind of husband God has called us to be. Well, there you have it. As I said in the beginning, the notion of a wife submitting to her husband sounds outdated in our culture that places so much emphasis on individual rights. But as Pastor Clay pointed out today, a wife places herself under her husband's leadership not because he is worth it, but because God is. And he has asked wives to submit to their husbands. As Pastor Clay also pointed out in today's message, that doesn't give a husband the right to force his wife to submit or to take advantage of her. He is to cherish the precious gift that a godly wife is. When both the husband and the wife understand their biblical roles, marriage can take on a whole other level of fulfillment and fruitfulness. We're glad you joined us for this week's Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not doing? 
getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback form from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable to every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. Cross Culture Church. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where you'll find what you're searching for. Cross Culture Church. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to leave. Cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.